Today on Blue 58, we wrap up our position-by-position review of the 2020 Packers with the defensive line and tight ends. Both had their moments last season, but both were also primarily centered around one player. But first, the Packers got their first taste of free agency, and it was a little bit bitter. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host. John Meerdink, very happy to be with you here for another episode. We're talking defensive line, we're talking tight ends, we're talking a little free agency today. But first, before we get into that, I need to make a couple corrections after the last episode. First, in reference to Rick Wagner in our offensive line episode, I compared him to Andy Dwyer, thinking of the character from The Office. As was pointed out by listener Queso in our Discord server, I meant to say... Andy Bernard mixed up my NBC sitcom Andy's, as happens from time to time. So thank you to Queso for the correction. I do in, indeed meet Andy Bernard there, not Andy Dwyer. Second correction, talking about special teams in the relatively recent past, we talked about J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, and Mason Crosby. We also mentioned J.J. Molson. I forgot to mention J.K. Scott's competition on the roster right now. Competition in air quotes, we don't really know how the Packers are going to approach things this summer. But we should talk for a second about Ryan Winslow. Out of the University of Pittsburgh, here are three facts about Ryan Winslow. Winslow himself is very tall, uh, and with him on the roster, the Packers now have two punters who are six foot five or taller. Uh, Winslow has actually played in another professional league. He was a member of the San Diego Fleet and the Memphis Express in the very short-lived Alliance of American Football, which lasted for less than one season in early 2019. Ryan Winslow's dad, George Winslow, was an NFL punter in the 1980s and was the very first punter to ever receive a scholarship at the University of Wisconsin. There you have it. Three facts, maybe a couple more, depending how you count, about Ryan Winslow, who's going to be at least getting a shot at doing some punting for the Packers at some point this year. Packers got a taste of free agency uh, today, Tuesday, and it was not necessarily a good one, all things considered. First, the positive news. Devin Funches is going to be sticking around at least for the relatively near future. Uh, basically, the sum total of his move is that he's giving back about three-quarters of a million dollars for another shot at sticking around in Green Bay. The cap mechanics are a little bit wonky on this one because basically this amounts to him giving back a chunk of his signing bonus. From what I can tell and talking with a couple other people, that seems to be what happened. Basically, I think this is just a low-risk move for both sides, a low-risk, high-upside move for both sides. So for the Packers, they get another shot at a guy they were interested in enough to bring in last year as a free agent. Seems fair enough there. For Funchess, after sitting out an entire year and after missing all but one game in 2019, he's really taking what he seems to think is the best possible opportunity at at basically a rehab stint uh, to get back in the league and really probably get another shot at a free agent deal a year from now. You can't fault him for trying. And if you were going to try, you might as well try with a team that happens to have an MVP quarterback. Can't blame him for that at all. The second bit of free agency-related news that we received today was that Aaron Jones was not franchise-tagged. Not entirely unexpected. 
But Brian Gutekunst did hint that this was indeed possible and or that it was possible, excuse me, that he would in fact get tagged. He did not and now will have an opportunity to become a free agent uh, when things start up here in the next couple of weeks. I think this is the smart move, the best move for Aaron Jones. I mean, obviously he couldn't avoid it if he was franchise tagged, but uh, for him, if you're looking at it from his perspective, what you want is to get to the open market and at least see what's out there. Supposedly, the Packers had offered him a deal in the $9 million a year range. Uh, without saying whether that's good or bad, it seems a little bit low. Uh, if you're talking about a potential cap number for franchise franchise tag that could be up to $11 million, if I was Aaron Jones, I would want to see what else is out there too without putting another year of wear and tear on my body. So... From his perspective, I'm, I'm, I'd probably be a little bit thankful that the Packers did not tag me. Now I can get out there and uh, and see what other people might be willing to offer. At this point, if I was Aaron Jones, I would absolutely not be negotiating with the Packers. Supposedly that is the, the thing that's that's going on here. The Packers are, are trying to make a deal or at least talking with him and his agent about making a deal. If I'm Jones, I'm not interested in that right now. I want to see what all of the num- other numbers are. Sure, you do run the risk there of of the market drying up if the numbers aren't quite what you you hope they are initially, but I at least want to see what's out there. You might get one shot at this if you are a free agent running back. Get the biggest possible number you can. Now, that is the accountant, uh, you know, as unbiased as possible look at this. And I want to step away from that for a second because for a year now, we've been talking about how, well, running back value, how Aaron Jones fits into that, how much money he should get. And I want to touch on something just for a second here and just say that it is a real bummer to lose players that are, one, good, and two, really fun to watch. No matter how you feel about running backs, no matter what you think about – um where they belong in the discussion about what matters to a football team. I don't think you can deny that Aaron Jones is good at whatever he does. He's a good running back. And on top of that, he's really fun to watch. And as it becomes more and more apparent that he's probably not going to end up playing in Green Bay next year, it it is a little bit of a bummer. All of that other stuff can be true. Running backs may not be as valuable as receivers or tight ends or offensive linemen or quarterbacks or or any other player on the roster, but it still stinks to lose a good one because it's really fun to watch. And that's ultimately what all of this is about. I don't get enjoyment watching football about optimizing the spreadsheet version of the Packers. I don't want them to achieve maximum efficiency, although that is the best way to win games. So I suppose that is a part of it. But I I want a team that's fun to watch. And Aaron Jones is fun to watch. So there is always going to be a part of me that is bummed out about him moving on if that's what ultimately, ultimately happens here. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. I don't think that's a stupid point of view to have. I don't think that's um, wrong. If you're bummed out about Aaron Jones probably moving on, that's fine. I think that's okay. Consider this me giving you permission to feel that way. If, uh, you have been shouted down at times on on football internet just for, for wanting a running back around. If you are bummed about him moving on, yeah, that's okay. Uh, thinking about him a little bit today, 
among running backs in my lifetime that I've seen play for the Packers, he's top three most fun. Between him and Amon Green and Eddie Lacy, for three very different reasons, I mean, those are probably the guys I've had the most fun watching. And it's it's sad that he is probably not going to be in a Packers uniform anymore. Let's switch gears entirely and talk a little bit about the defensive line. We are coming to the end of our position-by-position recap, and that brings us to the defensive linemen and tight ends on the Packers roster. Beginning with defensive line, I think it's fair to say you've got a bit of a, a disappointing position group here, but one that is held back a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, by its personnel. Starting with the guy who played the most... Uh, Dean Lowry played 601 snaps for the Packers. That is the most of any Packers defensive lineman. The good for Dean Lowry is basically the Dean Lowry that we have known since he was drafted by the Packers. As far as the the good side of that ledger, he was he was fine at a bunch of stuff. Dean Lowry has always been pretty good at a variety of things. Had some sacks for the first time in what felt like a long time. Played solid enough against the run. Basically a nice role player. The bad, though, with Lowry is that he wasn't paid like a role player. It's not like the Packers were really breaking the bank for him, but he's at least getting role player plus money. All right? So it's he's in the upper middle class of NFL earners at the very least. Lowry, too, and this was true in 2020, has never really played to his testing numbers. If you look at his athletic profile overall, though his arms are a little bit short, he he is a good athlete, especially for a guy who plays a lot as an interior rusher. He's a, he's a great athlete for a defensive tackle type. But it's never really seemed like he's played that way, and that may be a function of of his his weight, how light he is uh, as as a potential interior rusher. Uh, but it just never seems like he has matched those fairly good testing numbers. As far as 2021, it looks like he's probably going to be elsewhere. The Packers could save a little over $3 million against the cap by cutting him. Seems like a common-sense move. If, you got, if you've got a guy who isn't playing up to his contract, he might as well move on. Although the Packers did say, or Brian Gutekunst at the very least did say, that he was interested in keeping Preston Smith around at his current cap number. That remains to be seen. Uh, whether or not that is, in fact, a reality. Next up, just behind Dean Lowry, was Kenny Clark, who played 595 snaps, missed uh, about a month in the early season, and that's why his snap count was so low this year. The good for Kenny Clark is basically the same as always. Dominant, when healthy, can change games by himself. Um, The bad, though, is that early season injury, it really seemed to take some time for him to round into form. And I know we're going short on Kenny Clark here, but first, what do you want to say? Um, I mean, he's great when he's healthy. But second, uh, it kind of comes down to just continuing to be healthy for him. The challenge for Kenny Clark is putting together a season wire to wire. He's really never had that in his relatively brief NFL career. He's always been a little bit banged up. Uh, I mean, there have been times when he's played, I think, pretty close to every snap. Not every snap, but every game. If not, he's been right up there. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But he's really got to try, to the extent that this is in your control, to stay healthy for an entire year. I really want to see what sort of numbers he could put up in that kind of situation. What could he really do if he was healthy wire to wire? Again, not all of that is in his control, but some of it is. 
And uh, maybe he was behind the eight ball conditioning wise with no preseason games, didn't have any time to to sort of get into football playing shape before games actually started in week one. But um, I just hope he's he's able to stay healthy for an entire year and uh, then we can really see the, the full Kenny Clark experience. Though, if you get Kenny Clark for 14 games or even 13 games or something like that, uh, I think you're still doing better than most. Next up was Kingsley Kiki, who played 414 snaps for the Packers. As far as good stuff for him, when he's healthy, he's basically what Dean Lowry was supposed to be. Strong inside rusher, good enough against the run. The bad news for for Kingsley this year was that an injury wiped out basically his entire back half of the season. Had a concussion and really never was able to get back back to the roster. Uh, As far as 2021 goes, it's time for him to make a big jump. Uh, If things look how they're kind of shaping up, with Dean Lowry a potential cut and uh, Montrevious Adams probably off to greener pastures or at least different pastures, the the depth chart is pretty clear above him. It's Kenny Clark and pretty much nobody else. Uh, let's get that Kingsley Kiki experience. Let's see what we've we've really got here in him. And hopefully he can take advantage of that opportunity. Tyler Lancaster played 352 snaps for the Packers in 2020. I think if you're looking for good stuff about Tyler Lancaster, we did see some of it in 2020. I think he can be successful in a really, really particular role. And that role is basically just being a big body in a 3-4 base defense focused on stopping the run. The bad news and the bad kind of gist of his entire season is that's a pretty small role in the 2020-2021 NFL. As the NFL gets more pass-heavy, as the NFL gets more sub-package heavy, there really isn't a role for a guy who is strong in just a really narrow 3-4 base defense that is focused on stopping the run. When you need those big bodies, he can be that semi-immovable object at times. The problem is, more often than not, you're needing more than that out of your defensive lineman now. As far as 2021, he is a restricted free agent, so kind of figure why not. Low-end tenure is, is very affordable, and you need bodies on the defensive line. He's a big one a fairly athletic one, why turn it all over if you don't have to? There are going to be some guys out the door here in Green Bay. You don't have to turn all of them over. Keep Lancaster around, see what you got. If not, just move on. Pretty simple question. Might as well give him a look. Montrevious Adams was next with 130 snaps, and you really see a big drop-off here. The Packers did not use defensive linemen all that much. In 2020, 130 snaps for the former third-round pick. I'd say he was surprisingly good when healthy, and maybe that is just a function of how low the bar was, but he was solid, surprisingly solid against the run when he was healthy. Bad news is he was only healthy for eight games, and that probably puts him on the outside looking in as far as 2021 and beyond. I think there is a chance that a guy who's as athletic as Montrevious Adams is figures it out somewhere else. I don't really know if the Packers are interested in in giving him a shot to figure it out here in Green Bay. He's had he's had plenty of shots, though. To be fair, uh, some injury limitations too. There is a case I think to be made that if the Packers are going with a more one gapping three four scheme, 
that might make Montrevious Adams a really good fit. If there's one thing that he does well, it's getting upfield in a hurry. And if you just need guys to shoot gaps and get up the field, well, maybe Montrevious Adams is your man. Maybe you keep him around on what has to be probably a pretty affordable deal and just see if he can figure it out. Or maybe you just say, no, nah, we're good. We've seen it for three and a half, four seasons now. Let's just move on. Billy Wynn getting down to the dregs of the defensive line, might be my favorite defensive story of 2020. Between him and Chris Barnes really carving out a nice role as an undrafted free agent, Darnell Savage really coming on down the stretch, and, and Jair Alexander, that he, he's, he's right up there. Sure, just 41 snaps, but the story here is what's good for me. Billy Wynn was more or less out of football since 2016 with a variety of injuries and a variety of injuries. And I mean a variety. All sorts of stuff caused him problems. And it just seemed like stuff that was entirely out of your control, too. But he made it all the way back. Uh, there's a great story on Packers.com. I think it was Wes Hotkowitz that did it about how Billy Wynn's wife's battle with, I think it's lupus, was kind of an inspiration for him, just one of those chronic illnesses that's always just sapping everything good about life uh, away. Just her inspiration battling through that got him through those dark times of long injury recoveries. He made it all the way back to playing six NFL games in 2020 as a rotational defensive lineman, and I just think that's pretty awesome. It's a legitimate bummer as far as the bad stuff goes that it only lasted six games, but we're talking about a a pretty small bit part here, about seven snaps per game in those six games. For 2021, he's probably gone, but still a good story. And I hope if if anything else comes out of this podcast, um, this kind of podcast, uh, not not this one in particular, but but Blue 58 uh, as a whole, if anything comes out of it, it's, it's calling out stories like this when they when they come up and and just helping us remember them uh, so they're not lost. Brian Price is a similar sort of story. 12 snaps for the Packers in 2020. Nice little reunion with a former practice squad player. He's probably gone heading into next year, but he's only 26, so you never know. Damon Harrison got just 12 regular season snaps for the Packers, played more in the playoffs. The good story here, a good part of his 2020, is that he finally made it to Green Bay. The object of Packers fans' desire for quite some time finally ended up in Green Bay, took turning the Packers down, took landing in Seattle, took being cut by Seattle to finally get to Green Bay. Really didn't do much outside of the Bears game late in the year. Got called for a dumb penalty, a dumb 12th man penalty in the playoffs against the Buccaneers. Um, Really kind of a disappointing end to a fun saga for the season. As far as 2021 goes, If he is interested, I might give him a look. We're probably talking veteran minimum type contract, so factor that into your consideration here. But he seems like the sort of guy who needs to get his legs under him, get in a rhythm, kind of like the running back version of needing, you know, eight, ten carries before you really can feel like you're involved in the game. It doesn't seem like he really got a chance to do that anywhere he played in 2020. Given his pedigree, though, and given what we saw in some short bursts at times, may be worth a look. If you've got room in the budget. 
And I realize that's a big ask in this, uh, this cap strap situation the Packers find themselves in, but it's not worth ruling out entirely at this point. Finally, Anthony Rush. The good news for Anthony Rush is that he is big and he's still going to be big in 2021. The bad part of his 2020 season was that he literally played only one snap, exactly one snap for Anthony Rush. As far as 2021 goes, he's still probably going to be really big next year. And he signed a reserves future deal, so you hope he just gets a real shot at, at being real big in a, in a potentially bigger role. Other defensive linemen worth keeping in the back of your mind, Delonte Scott, one of my favorite edge rush prospects last year, a super-duper elite athlete off the edge who's now listed on the Packers roster as a defensive lineman. I don't know if anybody can say what the Packers really have there because he's going from an outside linebacker, defensive end-type role to a more traditional defensive lineman. He was a little bit light even for an edge rusher coming out. Now I'm not really sure what he is, uh, but that's a name worth remembering. Other name worth remembering is Willington Prevalon, another undrafted free agent pickup last spring. He was up and down a couple times from the practice squad, never made it to the active roster, but at 6'5", 287, uh, he's another rotational defensive line prospect uh, who was considered one of the uh, better true noses coming out of Rutgers in a very short on a very short list of true noses in last year's draft class. Might as well give him another look, see what you got. Before we talk about tight ends, I want to take a second and uh, talk about Patreon here for a second. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep is the best way you can support the show. Help us stay ad-free. Got another pitch from an advertiser just today, in fact, just before we sat down uh, to record this podcast, and I am excited to tell them, no, we don't do ads on Blue58 or ThePowerSweep.com. We rely entirely on your support, and Patreon is the way to do that. If you do it, you get access to bonus content, and you get access to our Discord server uh, where you can talk with other Packers fans and get a behind-the-scenes look at some of the things we do here at uh, at the podcast and uh, and on thepowersweep.com. So uh, consider giving that a look, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. And want to take a second and shout out a couple of our patrons here. We've been working through our list of, of contributors. So today I want to give a shout-out to Terrence Shaughnessy. Daniel Carlson, and I'm sorry, Christina, but I'm going to murder your last name. Christina Nargalwala, I hope that is correct. Uh, names with L's in them really throw me for a loop sometime. Uh, but they have all been patrons since 2018, and we have enjoyed their faithful support ever since then, and we hope that we can someday count you among their numbers as well. Moving to tight ends. Uh, this group kind of starts and finishes with Robert Tunyon. Yeah, they got quite a few contributions from Mercedes Lewis and some other interesting prospects there, but uh, this was really the Robert Tunyon show. 638 snaps for the former college quarterback. Boy, did you hear that enough times in 2020? Did you know he played quarterback in college? Did you know he was a former quarterback? Did you know that? Did you know? Did you know he also played wide receiver? Well, you do now. Uh, the good for Tunyon is that he was the athletic mismatch creating tight end the Packers have needed for quite some time. Willing enough as a blocker, perfect fit for the Lafleur system, and his intelligence was apparent on the field. He just understood where he was supposed to be and where he needed to get to make the most impact for the Packers offense. As far as bad stuff, I got nothing to complain about here. Anything bad is really kind of a function of who he is physically. You can you can quibble about his blocking. I thought he was honestly pretty good as a blocker in 2020. 
But the fact of the matter is, is he's 237 pounds, even for a lighter tight end. That is very light. And that's going to affect your ability to block. It just is. You can't take on the heavier outside linebackers at defensive ends, even in a chip block sort of situation and expect to be as effective as 265-pound Mercedes Lewis. You just can't. And so Tunyon does what he can. He gets open on those bootleg dump-off routes. He finds his way into the secondary when they're not paying attention to him. And he outruns linebackers when he's got them one-on-one. I don't know what else you want. That leads me to believe he's probably going to get the second-round tender as a restricted free agent. Might be lower, uh, just so the Packers would have the the right of first refusal. But I do expect him to be back. I think maybe we're looking at an an extension in season when we start to get an idea what the 2022 cap looks like. But I think he's going to be with the Packers in 2021. Uh, Really no doubt about it there. Mercedes Lewis played 422 snaps. Didn't have much in the way of production through the air, but that's not really his gig. The good for him last season was really just another season of Mercedes Lewis. Uh, He's really the only tight end of his kind on the roster, uh, old school throwback inline tight end. As far as bad stuff for Mercedes Lewis, I would go as far as to say that anything bad about him last season was really just a function of expectations. Did you expect him to be really involved in the passing game? Well, that's more on you than Mercedes Lewis. Did you expect him to really get open down the seam a whole bunch, you know, creating mismatches against linebackers? Again, that's not really what he does. Uh, although he does know, apparently know how to take advantage of, of spacing quite well. He does seem to find himself lost in the secondary from time to time. As far as 2021, look, if he wants to play again, why not? It's not like he's that expensive. It's not like there are that many of him out there. Tight ends that are elite blockers are few and far between anymore. You might as well stick around or stick with a guy uh, if you've got a guy you think can, can get that done for you. And uh, obviously there's a role for him in the Packers' offense or he wouldn't have played 400 snaps. Jay Sternberger got 202 snaps in 2020, and I'll be darned if I can remember a single one of them. As far as the good, you do feel like you saw a little of the athleticism. I can't honestly remember if I'm, I'm remembering 2020 or 2019 with him, though. The role is what concerns me with Jay Sternberger, and I think that's where we saw limitations you know, jokes about his playing time tongue-in-cheek. He's he's not quite the H-back that a guy like Dominique Daphne or um, Josiah DeGuara is. He's not quite Robert Tunyon, and he's definitely not Mercedes Lewis. So what is he really in the Packers' offense? I don't honestly know. Uh, he is a good athlete, good enough athlete. Uh, not a great one by any stretch, but good enough. And... I I just wonder if that's it. So that's why I think looking ahead to next season, he is kind of a a test case for how Brian Gutekunst handles mistakes. If it turns out that, you know, in preseason action in 2021, he can't play, you might as well move on. Because if you've got him as your third tight end, why would you play him ahead of somebody like Dominique Daphne or Josiah DeGuara? He's not the tight end that Robert Tunyon is. He's not the blocker that Dominique Daphne or Josiah DeGuara is. He certainly isn't whatever Mercedes Lewis is. 
So why not just roll the dice on more guys like Dominique Daphne, guys who are better athletes, guys who are bigger? Why not try that? And speaking of Dominique Daphne, in his 68 snaps, I thought it was pretty good that he carved out a pretty definitive role as an H-back. He's versatile, can line up tight to the line, can line up wide out, can line up as a fullback. But if you're talking about bad stuff for Daphne, I think you can get into a little bit of parsing of language. Sometimes I think when we say versatile, it's kind of code for, well, he really doesn't do anything that well. And I think there is a little bit of that to Dominique Daphne. Maybe with a year of seasoning that gets ironed out, and I do expect him to be back as a sort of stop, stopgap backup H-back until they figure out what Josiah DeGuara's injury situation is. Uh, but it seems like there is a role for him if they decide they want him around. John Lovett had a similar sort of role in his 45 snaps last year. The good was that he's pretty athletic and fairly versatile. The bad is, well, like uh, Dominique Daphne, versatile does sometimes mean you don't do that much well. Nothing really outstanding. And Lovett seemed to fall into that sort of category too. And depending on his ACL recovery, it may be another why not take another look here. Uh, but I think that's going to be a, a longer odds than someone like Dominique Daphne getting a longer, more significant look given their differences in size, given that uh, one of them is not coming off an ACL. Uh, but you never know. Lovett is uh, is good enough as an athlete and versatile enough that you may just want to take another look there. The last tight end who got any reps for the Packers in 2020 was Josiah DeGora himself. 31 snaps for the rookie out of Cincinnati. He was going to be really interesting prior to his ACL tear. One of the um, best things I think I wrote last season was a breakdown of how the Packers use their fullbacks. Um, and DeGuara was a big part of that. And, and the things that he did in his first game with the Packers were really, really, really interesting. Even if you're not a patron, you can take a look at that at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. It is an unlocked post. That is uh, kind of the, the thing that I want to direct people towards to give them a look at some of the stuff that we do on Patreon. But it it was just a lot of fun to watch to see where he was going to pop up next. But then he tore his ACL. And that is super disappointing because he was going to be really fun to watch. 2021 is going to depend on his ACL recovery, but I do think he's going to play a pretty huge role in the offense. Just to put it in perspective, he played a little bit more than 30% of the snaps for the Packers in Week 1 as a rookie, as a first-time NFL caliber H-back, fullback, tight end. That he was that involved, despite getting injured in that game and missing some time, I think says a lot about what the Packers thought about him in 2020. And I think there's little reason to think that they think less of him heading into 2021. Other tight ends you might want to keep in the back of your mind. One more traditional and one more H-back type. Let's start with the, the more traditional tight end. Bronson Kaufusi, big dude, six foot six, 270 pounds, converted defensive lineman. He was a third-round pick as a defensive end for the Ravens back in 2017, has a half a sack to his name in his career and is now trying to ply his trade on the offensive side of the ball. As far as I can tell, half a sack is the most of any active tight end in the NFL right now, so he's got that going for him, if nothing else. He does seem to have a few more physical tools than the last defensive lineman the Packers tried to convert into a tight end in James Looney. 
He's really tall, if nothing else. I'm not holding out a ton of hope for him in 2021, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. The other, Isaac Nauta, is more of an H-back type, six foot three, 246 pounds, might get some Dominique Daphne type burn next year. There's going to need some bodies in training camps. So you might as well see what you got here. The Packers had him around on the practice squad for a while. Why not see what you got in 2021? That's a wrap on our positional reviews. Uh, any lingering thoughts you have about any position group, defensive end, tight end, or otherwise, I would be interested in hearing them. Let me know. Social media, our contact page, Facebook, YouTube, wherever. Uh, and I would be happy to take your thoughts on that and share them in a future episode of Blue 58. For right now, that's all I've got for you. If this episode meant something to you, if you like what you heard here, I would encourage you to share it with somebody you think would benefit from it as well. It's going to help us continue to find more people uh, who want to be a part of this ongoing conversation we're having around the Green Bay Packers, which in turn will ultimately help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.